Hey y'all, it's Brittany again with another episode of the Authenticated Podcast. Welcome to our season two premiere. We are starting off this season with a bang. We have best-selling author J.B. Lexington, and she will be joining us to discuss her book Forever Eve and her new release After Eve. If you like this episode, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review. This is The Authenticated Podcast. Do you go by Alexia or JB or how does this work? Well, for, for all my book stuff, I go by JB. You do? And what does JB stand for? Uh, my kids. So oh. I have my son, his name is Jacob, and my daughter is Bella. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, and then Lexington is just a lexicon, like a play on words. My Actually, it's weird because my, obviously, my first name is Alexia. Yeah. My maiden name is Lulechis. Mashed it all together <laughs> and uh, came up with Jamie Lexington. So you woke up one day and you're like, I feel like these two names together would sound like uh-huh. Lexington. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and because when I started writing the book, the kids were so much younger. And because of the content, I thought, you know what, let me make it a little anonymous. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted was... You know, my son at the time was 13. I'm like, I don't want any of his hockey buddies to happen across <laughs> this one day. And then all of a sudden, they're in the change. I'm like, dude, your mom writes about sucking. Please. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that that was, was all on the down low while they were young. Now I'm like all out there and everybody knows what I do. Well, um, yeah, yeah. I got to tell you my story about sitting down and reading the book because I felt like I needed a cold shower after I read it. Like, I kind of expected when I knew the genre, I don't, I wouldn't say it's overtly erotic, but I wouldn't say there's, there's definitely a storyline there. So when I picked up the book, I was expecting erotic. Like I was, I was settled. I was ready to just like dive right in. And I started reading and I remember I was like into chapter two and into chapter three. And I was like, no, this is great. There's like a, there's a whole story going on. Nothing inappropriate. I was expecting something yeah. much more and then I hit a chapter and I was like mm-hmm. okay hold on and I like I, the room got hot <laughs> it got real hot real quick and I yeah. to be honest with you I've only ever read one erotic novel in my entire life so it was new territory for me very very enjoyable like almost like it brings you to this point of ecstasy even I think for people that are single or people that are in couples or people that like to fantasize on the side, like it brings you to that alternative place where you're able to like have that daydream and and live vicariously through the people in the book. Yeah, I think from what I've been told and uh, what I'm hearing is that uh, I was able to accomplish the sex scenes without it being gratuitous or gritty, you know, like there was, they were, I made sure that each scene was strategically placed. Like it was really important to the storyline at that moment. Right. But I just didn't throw in a sex scene just for the hell of it. Right. Like I wanted it to be a buildup and part of the character development. Um, and those scenes were important. I think where, where they were placed. A hundred percent. When Isabel was hitting her stride, we'll call it. (laughs) I was like, I was a little bit jealous. I was like, oh, so you're just going to do it again? Like, you're just doing it again. So um, I guess, like, do you want to maybe walk me through the premise of Forever Even, kind of how you came about even creating this book? Yeah, I was, uh, and I'm probably going to sound like a broken record the more I talk about it, because I'm sure people have heard this before. 
I was reading right. um, another series. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, say what series I was reading. Right. Uh, I was like, like really disappointed in the content and the, the character development. And um, again, I just kind of felt like some of the scenes were a little gratuitous. And I thought, you know what? Uh, not not to slight writers by any means because I know exactly what goes into writing a book and how crazy it can be. Right. And I and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna try this. I have a story kind of brewing in me, and and I'm gonna piece the pieces together and and see how this goes. And it developed over the years. Like uh, it it didn't take me long to write it. Right. Uh, but as I continued to edit it, it, it just got better and made more sense the characters just came to me as I went. Like I didn't have a storyboard. I didn't have an idea really. I didn't have a clue right. what I was going to write about. Yeah. Other than as soon as I started, it just poured out. And, and I can't even explain it any different than that because I wish I had some fantastic story to tell like, Oh God. Yeah. I was, you know, this was a, a packed life and I knew about this already it came to me as, as I started writing. Well, I have to tell you, after reading it, I really want to go to past life regression therapy. Yeah. First of all, is that a real... It, it is a real thing. Like okay. I have to say. So I did, I have always been interested in it. Yeah. I've known about it for years. Um, you know, I had uh, friends in the past that had done it and had really interesting stories. Um, not sexual erotic stories, but <laughs> stories nonetheless. And then uh, when I, I, and I always thought that I was like, some king, like King Henry or something, and I had like, you know, ten wives and and mistresses and stuff. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna try this out. And as I started to research while I was writing, I um I went to two sessions. Both were very different, but uh, the feeling was the same. So the scene that I write about in the book is verbatim of what happened, but you know. Um, the lady that I met and where I was sitting and, you know, you know, throwing the tissue of like my gum and the tissue of real, it happened to me, you know, and as she was putting me under, um, feeling the flowers and the blades of grass over my fingers, all of that was real into this alternate world. My stomach sank, but I was floating on top of myself and I could see what was happening as she was talking me through it. It was the most bizarre experience. It wasn't as clear as I wrote about. Like, right. Obviously, what I wrote with with Isabel was it was so vivid, and she could, you know, she was immersed in that life. Yeah. That's not how it happened for me. I was floating, like I said, and it was a beach scene, and it was almost um, ritual. I don't know exactly what it was that I was involved in, but I remember, you know, that scene in um, Avatar. <laughs> when they're on like those like flying creatures I yes kind of felt like that like I was it was such an outer body experience that I could feel like I could physically feel myself floating on top of this scene and I was looking down on the beach and there were crowds of people and there was a bonfire so I, I couldn't tell what you know era I was in or what century I was in but right. it, it seemed like I said very ritualistic whatever was happening that's um, crazy. Did you have the same person both times that you went? No, two different people. Uh, because we've talked offline of this, but I'm going through a lot of personal change and development. And I'm curious to know what throwing myself into a situation like that would be yeah. like to kind of elevate my experience. Because I always wonder like, what could I have been in a past mm -hmm. life 
Because yeah. I'm already next level in this life. So I really wonder, I feel a very masculine energy. I feel very dominant. I feel very curious. And I yeah. wonder what could I have been in a past life that fits the mold of what that even is symbolic of. Exactly. And, and from all of my research and what I learned from my two sessions is you're not just one person. Like you, you could be new, you could be brand new, Yeah. but you could have also lived four or five different lives. Right. And you know, you could have been a woman, you could have been a child, you could have been a man. Like it, it all depends. Right. And you know, that whole feeling of deja vu where you walk, when you cross paths with somebody, when the energy is just so, you know, fantastic that you go, Oh my gosh, like, why have I been here? Like, what is happening right now? That's right. all real. Like, you that you, chances are you experienced that person in some capacity in a past life. Well, I'm going to be taking one of these classes because of your book. So thank you for that. Because I know some of the listeners will want to know about the book because I don't want to dive too deep that I'm giving anything away. But like, what's the storyline here? The title of the book came from when Isabel, the main character, uh, she's going through a, uh, her own life experiences be it tumultuous and self-discovery right um, and then her best friend natalie who is like this fantastic character that i created that is more than loosely based on myself oh my gosh i she's my favorite too i didn't want to tell you until now but literally i was like i am natalie yeah, and there are definitely lines in that book that I have said to all me. Natalie is all me for the most part. I so love her. I want to be her. And then, um, her, so Natalie, who's Isabel's best friend, convinces her to go to uh, this past life regression therapist. Isabel, in her real life, is um, she is finishing up school. She's going through a PhD. Or at this point, she's not going through a PhD, but... Uh, as a, a psychotherapist, she's already in tune with um, that type of treatment, but it's extended a little more. Like she, she tries to blow it off saying, you know, I am a therapist. Why would I need to go and see somebody? But Natalie is the artist and the, you know, the best friend that colors outside the lines all the time and convinces her to go and, and try something new. Natalie cancels last minute and Isabel goes on this adventure on her own and hesitant as she was, she uh, gets hypnotized or she gets put under right. and falls into this world uh, where I don't think I'm going to be giving anything away. Eve is a, um, a dancer slash prostitute and uh, Isabel falls into her life and her love story with the man that she meets. Charlie is the man's name in, in the 1920s in the backlight that uh, he just falls for Eve and he says something to her like, you know, you're going to be my forever Eve, all that sort of stuff. And right. um, that's where the title came from. And then find herself and get herself out of this sticky situation with her uh, husband. Uh, how these little coincidences fall into her lap as the book goes on. They're so opposites. I love that they're best friends, but like one brings the other out of the shell. And mm -hmm. I related so much to Natalie in terms of personality because that whole uncensored verbal diarrhea, I'm just going to tell you how it is and you're just going to do it. And then, yeah. and then kind of the more introverted, you know, main character Isabel is like, I'm not really inclined to do all these things. Like, I'm just like kind of in my, in my niche and I'm yeah. sitting there going, if you don't come out of your shell, I'm going to yeah. go insane because she was, she seemed so suffocated in yeah. her life. And I've actually been in that place and, and we can speak about that a little bit further, but 
I almost related to both characters because of the suffocation and because of the free spirit. Um, yeah. So with that being said, where do you think you came up with Isabel? Does she stem from anybody you know? Is she symbolic of anything in your personal life? Um, I mean, I think she, I think both Natalie and Isabel represent me and a, a combination of women in my life that I know. Right. Um, so I think it was a complete amalgamation of, uh, even the everyday woman where, you know, you, there's something always in your life where you feel that you've been muzzled. Right. Um, but then you also have the other, you know, I am woman, hear me roar side that is Natalie you want to be and whether you get there or not. So I think I wanted to create two dynamic characters yes. that women could uh, relate to in their life in some capacity, because there always is a time in our life where we feel like, Oh, I probably shouldn't say anything and I'll just keep right. my mouth shut. I just happen to expand on that into this like fantastical type story that isn't real, but it is, um, that is still relatable. And then the Natalie side where, you know, women on a daily basis go, Oh God, I wish I could just punch you in the face right now. <laughs> and, and she, but she would. Right. You know, so here I've created the other side of it where I'm like, I'm just going to create a girl who does just punch people in the face. <laughs> without any, any repercussion. Right. <laughs> I, only she could get away with that. It's crazy how you can get latched onto characters in a book and actually emulate them. And, and you think they're real. Like there were moments yeah. where I was reading the book where I was like, I've been Isabel and I like actually felt sorry for myself reading the book when Natalie would come into play. I was like, there I am. Like it, it was yeah. like, it was like remembering the shadow of who I was and then also uh, something to aspire to getting back to. So I really rode a roller coaster in that book. And like, when you say you wrote two characters that women could respond to you, it's so accurate because I think a lot of people live in this shell of fear of judgment and fear yeah. of being who they truly are and mm -hmm. living outside of their comfort zone. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's so relevant to things that we talk about on the Authenticated yeah. Podcast. Now, in terms of the males in the storyline, so I'm in love with Charlie. Yeah. But actually, um, I wish he was real. <laughs> I would ask him on a date. I'm also in love with Henry. Yes. Like, I want to know what he looks like. I want to smell his hair. Um, Henry to me is modern day romance. That's so fizzled out and yeah. passion yeah. and like unapologetic realness of I'm obsessed with you and I'm going to chase you down because of my feelings, but also we're meant to be together. So just like live with it. So yeah. how did they come to play? Who are they? So I know they're symbolic to you in some way. Yeah, it's, um, Again, I think it's just creating, like you said, when you were reading it, you're like, oh, I could, I could totally see myself being Isabel. I could totally see myself being Natalie. I think when I created it, it was um, a combination of what women want to have in their life, yeah. uh, what I do have in my life. Um, right. There are definitely things that Henry does that... Um, I've experienced with my husband, right? Uh, whether the, you know whether it be the way that he treats me, or sexually, or um, because we are, you know, I mean, I met him when I was 21 years old, and and I am almost 50, and, and still, you're still smiling. <laughs> I'm still smiling. Oh yeah, we still, you know, we still do all this fun stuff. But like when I was writing scenes, whether it be about Henry or Charlie. I kind of put myself in that situation. I'm like, how would I want to be treated right now? How right. Would, 
how do women that are reading this want to be treated? But yeah. I didn't want it to be so unrealistic that women couldn't relate to it. Like, oh my right. God, I would never get a man like that. Because there are men out there like Charlie and Henry. Yes. Um, and there are women out there like Isabel that don't necessarily need saving because I didn't want to write about the whole damsel in distress. And, you know, because she fought it along the way and she right. really did try and stay true to her vows and who she was with. Um, but circumstances played out that that wasn't going to be possible for her right but uh, without giving anything away um but when I was writing about Henry because you said I want to know what he looks like I, I wanted to keep it generic enough that women could create their own vision of him okay uh, because I think that's fun when you're trying to guess what the character looks like right so when I was writing him uh I'm a, I'm a tad a little obsessed with um Henry Cavill so am I. I literally, that's exactly what I was picturing. Superman. Yeah. I was just going to tell you Superman is yeah. what I was picturing. Like, like that nerdy but sexy guy who has glasses or could go without, who's got yeah. that dark, thick hair that like billows over and he's muscly yeah. but kind of has a dad bod. That is exactly what yeah. I pictured him to yeah. be like. Yeah. <gasps> it kind of smells like vanilla and cigar at the oh, same time. Oh, all of the good means, things. Yeah, all of the good stuff. Yeah. Um, so I didn't want to make them too perfect that, you know, a, a female reader would be like, ah, oh, whatever. Like I've right. read this guy. I, I know this guy. I've seen him and I've read about him a million times. Yeah. But I think Henry's a bit more um, attainable. <laughs> yeah. I think I mean, there are yeah. guys out there like Henry that, that women can uh, aspire to, uh, to go after or to, uh, you know, allure in. That's fair. Well, this makes me feel hopeful because Henry Cavill dated that girl from the Big Bang in real life. And everybody yep. says that I remind them of her. So there is a go. chance that Henry Cavill and I yeah. could date in real life. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're good. You're good. And, and you know, not, not to like slight Kaylee Cuoco at all, but I mean, yeah. you're far better looking. Than oh, you. that's so nice. Thank you. I showered today. So we give you a little share of um, now I'm curious. So I know we've touched on the characters. We touched on how friends were symbolic in the storyline. Males you pulled from like kind of your ideal of what is atypical and what is aspire to. Does anybody in the book symbolize anybody from your personal circle? Isabel's mom or Bo's parents? Anybody sub character that you pulled from personal experience? Um. Not necessarily from personal experience. Uh, you know, I have a, a girlfriend who we've been best friends forever. Um, and, you know, obviously without going into her story, because I don't want to right. uh, pull her into this at all. Um, you know, she's gone through a lot of shit in her life and uh, she's had to deal with it and has always maintained this like really positive um, outlook on life, even having gone through everything right so there was that sense of perseverance and and um living her life day by day and i felt like i owed it to her to create characters that can come out of bad situations and still thrive right so that's about the closest but in terms of anybody else it was again it was all gobbledygook that was in my brain that just came out and happened to Great story. <laughs> I love, I wish I had more gobbledygook in my brain. <laughs> I feel like there's not much going on in there half the time. Oh, there is, there is. I'm sure everybody's got a story. Yeah. 
everybody has a story brewing in them. It just has to come out at the right time. Maybe right? I haven't decided to write the stories that are going on. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Which brings me to a perfect segue, character Bo. Yeah. So <clears throat> I have a lot to say about Bo. Uh, yeah. I actually really, really understand Bo's character. I've dated him. Uh, oh boy, it was infuriating to read um, because I both empathize with Bo and I hate Bo at the same time. And yeah. I get curious as a writer how you feel about what are Bo's chances to live a, a genuinely happy life given the circumstance of him being a male who needs to be either narcissistic, domineering, mm -hmm. abusive, mentally or emotionally or physically to gain control over a woman, but most importantly, gain control over his own life. Like kind of where do you stand on him having a chance at something outside of that? Yeah, it was. I, I didn't want the book to focus too much on him, although he was a really important part of the story. Right. Um, I I wanted to write a, um, a villain. I wanted to create a villain right. uh, that was, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, too many women have experienced in their life. Right. Um, so I was I wanted to be very careful in terms of um, respecting what women have gone through that have known men like that. Yes. Uh, so I didn't want to give him too much attention. Right. Um, I touch a little bit on the, his family background and his dad was a narcissist and, you know, his mother kind of just lived with it uh, because she uh, was, she was, she was enjoying the lifestyle too much. She liked the money. She liked the socialite type environment. Right. Uh, but Bo, unfortunately, was the guy that paid the price because he grew up with it. He saw his dad going through it. Yeah. Um, he, his dad put a lot of pressure on him to be the best. And his only outlet was uh, to take it out on Isabel. Right. To flip to her, I didn't want her to be a weak character because I knew that the reader was going to say, why is she still there? What, what is she doing with him? But right. all too often, that is the case. And you find ways to justify why you're there. And yeah. I'm the one that'll make them better. You know, uh, I'll try every trick in my back pocket to make sure that I'm the one that he, this ends with. Right. Um, but um, there wasn't going to be much hope for Bo to change who he was. It was just ingrained too deep in him uh, to, uh, to let anybody convince him otherwise. And I would love to elaborate on this a little bit because I think my listeners, they're all about the, you know, being authentic and, you know, let's go beyond the surface of what's going on here. So I was in a relationship with a narcissist and I would say 90% of the time I didn't know what was going on because you find yourself questioning you. What's wrong with me? Am I losing my sass? Am I losing my sense of identity? Why am I not fun anymore? And it's like a puzzle. You lose the pieces slowly and you're like, all of a sudden nothing gets put together. And the moment you understand what narcissism is and someone tells you what that is, or they define it to you, or you get this epiphany, you almost can't ignore it. And everything becomes very clear that 
narcissism is very much reigned by the other person and their needs and their self-rooted insecurities that are either genetically inclined or when they were raised, they were told they were so amazing, they couldn't do anything wrong, um, or it's a habit of nature, but you, you can't help what you can't control as a partner to someone who suffers from narcissism. And as someone who has dated someone, um, on the flip side of that, I, I felt both empathic and frustrated, like I said, because part of me was like, Bo, I have met someone that I didn't date. That's one of my best friends. That's a recovered narcissist, but he had to go through 10 years of deep healing. He had to go to India. He had to study meditation. He didn't know he was a narcissist for 10 years until he came on the other side of it. And now he calls himself a recovering narcissist because he's able to manage his day to day with the awareness of what his past behaviors were. I don't think a lot of people can get to that point that suffer from that because I've only met one. Now, I think like the frustration was the lack of hope that I felt with his character because as the half of me being Isabel, I was like, just know how much I love you. Like be with me in this moment. I love you for who you are as you are and you don't get it. But at the end of the day, you could try really, really hard and they'll never get it because it's so deep rooted that it's kind of on them to go back and, and revert those behaviors or understand that, that deeper rooting, um, issue that's going on. Like you, you, mm-hmm. you can't help what you can't control and yeah, that's right. to stay is hurting you if that person isn't willing to be more aware of what is actually going on beneath the surface. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, this was a surprise. Like, I think it's serendipity that I read this book because when I was reading it, I expected like sex and like a lot of inappropriate behaviors. And I was like, whoa, I'm going to like get my wine going and it's going to be, it's going to be an experience. But then I was like, wow, it's really tugging at the emotional strings too. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, not based on my real life, but based on real life. Uh, There are, uh, you know, again, with the exception of some of the fantastical parts that I've, I've written about. Right. Um, there are women out there and men out there, of course, that, that experience relationships, uh, this way right. and feel that they, um, they have no hope. They can't get out, uh, that they've always done something wrong. Um, and they're constantly trying and pu- putting themselves down thinking that they've done something wrong. Right. And, um, I, I, I just felt it was important to, uh, just to have a, like a romance story that had that entwined into it because life it should be sometimes, but life is also pretty awesome sometimes. So you, you know, you, you have to, you're going to experience certain people. You can't control how people receive your information, but you can control how you receive the information. So exactly, um, you just have to uh, believe in who you are and, um, and work on yourself first. Who is your favorite character in the book? Natalie, by far. <laughs> just, you know, how can you not love her? Oh, God. I, I had so much fun writing her because, like, I would, there were times where I'd be, like, typing, typing, and I'd, like, start giggling. <laughs> I think I might have said this in real life, and if I haven't, I might. And I'd be, like, you know, noting it down in my palm, going, um, and I just, I love their uh, interaction. Um, 
heard is about, actually, I just read a review recently where it was a positive review. Don't get me wrong. The, the reviewer was like, their relationship is so dysfunctional and I love it. And which is pretty accurate. She is a wild card. Like you just never know what she's going to say, what she's going to do, what she's going to pull you into. Right. And you know, it's not awesome to have friends like that sometimes, but sometimes it is, you know what I mean? Like totally you want to be prepared. You want to be responsible, but sometimes you need that little, you know, voice in the back of your head. And say, you know what? I'm a bit of a cliff jumper in real life. Um, yeah. Not literally. Right. Because <laughs> uh, I don't like I'm, I don't like daring sports. Like I don't do roller coasters or anything. Right. But in terms of life decisions, I will often not even think twice and just do it. I love just that. Like, you know, writing the book. I just like you know what I'm going to start writing a book today, and I did it. I love I'm that. Buy a company today, and I did it. You know, it's just uh, it's just what I do. You love living on the other side of your comfort zone. I do, I do. That's amazing. Did uh, you also just refer to roller coasters as a sport? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, whatever. I think I'll have enough of it in me already that I don't need to, like, you know, throw myself down a, you know. I'm like, a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. So you have a new release. Congratulations. Thank you. How are you feeling? What can we expect going forward with the next chapter of Forever Eve, which is After Eve? Yeah, After Eve is, I love this part of the story. Um, I kind of knew, well, actually, you know how the, the first one ends. It's, there's a bit of a cliffhanger. Yes. Um, so when I was writing the first one, I started writing the second one right away. So that was like six years ago. Right. And it wasn't until I hooked up with my new publisher that I'm like, you know what, I'm going to finish it. And I'm going to publish it because this story needs to be told. And as it evolved, right. um, I fell more in love with it. Like more, e even more than Forever Eve. Oh. The characters, they're all the same characters. What life throws at them this time around is, is crazy. Like shit that people shouldn't have to deal with, but they do deal with it. Isabel goes on a brand new roller coaster of emotions and question her life choices again. And... Natalie is even bigger than, than the first time around in terms of, you know, how she projects herself into Isabel's life. The whole gang's still there, but you just have to read in what capacity. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'm waiting for the release because I really want to purchase it online. I have some guesses that I'm going to throw out there. So it hasn't been released yet. Okay. I feel like there's some loss. I'm intuitive. I'm a Pisces. I can kind of read between the lines. When things are perfect, something has to come through like a hurricane to blow perfect away. And Absolutely. I have a sneaky suspicion that there is a big loss in Isabel's life, yeah. is my guess. Spiraling, trying to figure out how to stand on her own in the situation that she's in with the support of a partially chaotic best friend. <laughs> yeah. And I also feel like she had some turmoil in the first book. Part of me was frustrated that that was open-ended where, um, you know, with Natalie, you don't know, is she going to end up with the person you know that she loves or is she just going to be this wild card that like doesn't settle or does she love someone she's not talking about? Is it confused? Like I just, I literally am so 
wrapped up in these characters so much. I'm so happy to hear that you have the same characters. My guess is that there's a lot of drama and I feel like a lot of Natalie and a lot of Isabel in this book and maybe a little bit of Henry. Okay. So I love, I love all the directions you're going. Okay, good. Uh, and some are right and some are not right. Okay. So uh, you'll just have to wait and see. Now, the one thing I can say, I had every intention on writing book two and then ending it. Right. That is not the case. So I'm already writing the third book. Oh my gosh. And that happened in, uh, I, I was in the last like 24 to 48 hours of my deadline to get my final draft copy in to my editor. Right. And I was writing and I was like, I had this real, like this pain, like, oh my God, I'm not done with these people yet. Like, yeah. so many years and so much of my heart and soul into creating and developing these characters that you know, partially come from me, partially come from my imagination, partially come from people around me that I know. Right. That I, I'm like, I owe them respectfully more of a story. I think there's yes. more to be told. So in the, I'm not even kidding you, in the last 24, 48 hours, I rewrote the last three chapters and then I had to go back through the entire book and change all of the aspects going through their life to make sure that it was consistent with the end of the book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And then I ended it another cliffhanger for book three. You ended it as a cliffhanger? Yes, I did. Is there going to be a book four? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I have to admit to you, cliffhangers and I do not get along because <laughs> okay. I, it's actually genius because you leave the reader genuinely wanting to know more. Like that, the last page of Forever Eve was infuriating yeah. to me. I was like, now you've left me in this situation where I have to read the next book. And if I read the second book, which I will be starting tomorrow, and then it's a cliffhanger. And then I read the third book and it's a cliffhanger. I'm probably gonna be mad at you. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I think because I always have like, you know, I'm so grandiose and I always, I'm shooting for like the next level of success I'm always looking at the, the the next step right um when I when I was writing it I'm like you know what this eventually one day will be a Netflix series and I was like so I write them <gasps> thinking uh I, I mean I don't have a deal don't get me wrong it should be I, I think it should be so I was writing them and I was ending chapters going oh this is where the episode would end and how this would look on screen <gasps> this is the next Harry Potter yeah well I mean the, the next but, special Harry Potter yeah <laughs> I'm pretty sure Harry Potter's underage. So. <laughs> this is like the 18 plus version of Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm going to subscribe to Netflix specifically for your future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now with your new release tomorrow, Forever Eve being out for a while now, where can our listeners and your followers purchase Forever Eve or After Eve that's coming out tomorrow? Anybody wants to go to my website, it's www.jblexington.com. Okay. Uh, all the buy links are on my website. Um, I know Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Kindle, Kobo, all of the, the standards are on there. I think there might be a couple of other options, um, like smaller platforms. But right. of course, I can't remember off the top of my head. But if you visit my website, all of the buy links are there. Perfect. Um, I have uh, the first two chapters of each book that are I've posted on there for free, so readers can go get a taste of it before they actually buy the book. 
Uh, all the character bios are on there. I've created little bios for them and little pictures, you know, subtle pictures. So I'm not giving too much away in terms of their character, their physicality. Right. Um, and then some other fun stuff. I'm an ex-bartender, which is probably where I got most some of my stories from. I have some drink recipes on there. I have some really fun stuff. I love that. I actually saw one of your recent posts of a drink recipe and I already bought all the ingredients literally this morning. I love it. It's very winter-esque, the drink you recently posted. I'm not going to give too much away. People need to follow you to see it, but it's very festive. Yeah. But I will be drinking it this weekend. Yeah. I mean, the holiday season's coming up, so check out the website, get some drinks. Love it. Forever Eve and After Eve on your wish list and your buy list and... Get everybody in, into the mood. I highly recommend it. And if people were to follow you on social media, do you have a social media following on Instagram or Facebook or anywhere people can find you? I do, yeah. I have my Instagram, uh, JB Lexington. My Twitter, same thing. It's all yep. JB Lexington. Okay. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's all pretty consistent. And um, I post every day, I post some fun stories. I uh, just want to be engaging and uh, you know, my biggest thing is I appreciate my readers. I appreciate my fans and uh, I just love that they take time out of their day to, you know, give any time to me at all, which is Aww. humbling to say the least. That's amazing. Well, last question and most important, it's very serious. Okay. Does your husband look like Henry Cavill? <laughs> he does not look like Henry Cavill. Darn it. He, he is actually the opposite. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's gorgeous. Uh, he, but he is, uh, he's not dark hair, green eyes, but he is, he's a, he's a silver fox now. Yeah. I and, love it. uh, no, he's, uh, he's, he's done well with research along the, over the years. Yeah. I love it. Well, you've both done well. Um, yeah. well, thank you so much, Alexia, for joining me today and chatting about your books. And I'm really excited to purchase mine tomorrow. Like she said, you can follow her on Instagram, her website. And thank you so much for joining me this evening. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Have a great night. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon.